As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen I'm never quitting on my mission, I'ma roll with what I'm giving Got some ambition, this new addition, filling positions Looking at devoiding myself and feeling what's missing Better watch the way you going, better go in the right direction In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings And I know that for certain, keep on working, open curtains Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version Whoa. I'm never gon' give up, give up Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up you're listening to the Tom Thickler Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I was uh, joking somewhat with uh, Dr. Gallegos and, and Dr. Uh, Miller, who are, are joining us today with the One Heart Initiative, as, as, along with some of the cultural ambassadors, about that are by benefit of WNH, WNHH 103.5 FM. We're, we're local, yes, but we're really global in our reach. And it's such a blessing to be able to reach folks wherever they might be on the planet. And even for the folks that might be, maybe some people on planets that are undiscovered. I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but also, but but it's very important that we can reach folks um, through your neighborhood, through your church, through your network, just through your home, in terms of the vital information that, that WNHH 103.5 is providing. And today we're talking about the One Heart Initiative and each host on these shows are, I think, selfishly driven, ego-driven to think that their shows are the best. And I'm, I think that my show is the best. We have other good hosts, but but we have, but there's, but best in terms of the information. It's proactive information. It's future information. It's immediate information that you can use. Uh, we know about the chaos in life and society, but let's tune in uh, to WNHH 103.5 to the various hosts. And today, in particular, in terms of the One Heart Initiative, what does that One Heart Initiative mean? Um, not from just a metaphorical standpoint, but from a, a, liter- a literally uh, significant and tangible practical aspect about research and precision medicine and, and cardiovascular uh, research, but even more importantly, and the, and the cultural ambassadors with Reverend Perry and Reverend Clayton will, will chime in to kind of amplify the context. We can all join in, if not eliminating health disease, heart disease, uh, delaying if not abolishing just uh making it not as severe so let, let's just let's jump right in welcome everybody we have dr miller and dr uh, Gallegos are with us uh, dr miller is the assistant professor of medicine cardiovascular medicine here at Yale medical school and, and dr uh, Gallegos is assistant pr- professor in cardiovascular medicine welcome doctors how are you guys doing thank you uh i was mentioning before we went on air that there's so much we want to cover so maybe around 40 minutes if we haven't kind of touched upon some of the key points, or even if we want to just reiterate some of the things we've talked about uh, right now, that, that that's fine. Uh, but let's just kind of jump off in general, in terms of um, if you could tell us a little bit about heart disease in general and, and how does it impact the, uh, the, the, minority communi- the minority communities and minority populations? Well, um, good morning. I guess I'll take uh, that question. Um, my name is Cecilia Gallegos and I work with Dr. Miller in the One Heart Initiative. So, um, you know, heart disease is really the leading cause of death amongst men, uh, women, and people, most racial and ethnic uh, groups in the United States. You know, the most recent numbers um, calculate that one person dies every 34 seconds in the United mm. States from heart disease. Mm. Um, And, you know, specifically uh, for minority populations, you know, the prevalence of high blood pressure, which is a risk factor in cardiovascular disease itself is the highest in the world. Um, You know, just in 2018, African-Americans were 30% 
more likely to die from heart disease than non-Hispanic whites. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though uh, uh, African-American adults are 40%, you know, almost half uh, more likely to have high blood pressure um, than other patients, um, they are less likely to have their blood pressure um, under control. So all those, you know, numbers that I'm throwing there is why we care and why, you know, we think it's, mm-hmm. it's very important to, to uh, these topics, uh, to give the knowledge of these topics to our population. Absolutely, absolutely. Dr. Dr. Miller, would you like anything to add in that? And, and again, you'll, you'll have ample time to to have to have your mic for the next 45 minutes. Sure. Sure. Thank you. Again, nice to be nice to be with you here today. Um, so when we talk about heart disease, uh, we should recognize that there's really two major types of heart disease that we deal with. There's what we consider to be, you know, coronary artery disease, where the heart arteries get blocked with cholesterol and they get narrowed and that causes heart attacks and 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 chest pain. And then there's also um, uh, heart failure where the heart muscle um, starts to weaken and, and people get short of breath and, and gets, gets swelling, et cetera. And those are related, but they can be distinct processes. And so one of the things that we're talking about is, is, is uh, what's heart disease like in, in minority populations? Mm-hmm. Are there different uh, ways that we can, uh, different types of heart disease that are more common in different populations of people uh, and, and, and uh, evaluate uh, people from in different methodologies based on the likelihood of having one of those types of, of heart disease. Indeed, so, such an important topic. And just let, let me just dive, dive right in in terms of people always ask, well, are you just being a philosopher or just uh, giving an academic presentation or, or just submitting a paper? But, but, but does Yale New Haven have any programs that are really helping to, 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 sure. to hear, hear this term coordinate, coordinate care and treatment? <clears throat> patients with heart disease, but tell us a little bit about the programs. And I, I like to say the, the, the abolitionist strategies, quite frankly, that you're, that you're undertaking. <laughs> the, um, well, you know, we could always do more. Let's start out by saying that. Um, and the hardest job that we have is to take the, um, the things that are published, the research that is uh, designed and translate that into making an impact mm. on an individual patient, right? Mm. Um, but let's start with what is the One Heart Initiative, right? We've thrown around that term. And so the One Heart Initiative is, is, is Yale, Yale's commitment, the School of Medicine's commitment to providing infrastructure and support for re- community-partnered research about heart disease. And, you know, um, we've been um, blessed to been working with the, with the cultural ambassadors, Reverend Perry and Reverend Clayton, for the past several years to help Try to figure out what we do well. Try mm. to figure out what what the needs of the community are and how we can how we can impact the community uh, uh, in in terms of heart disease. But on some specific things that that I think Yale does do well and has programs to uh, help people with heart disease. Uh, we have programs such as um, uh, what's called the transitional uh, care clinics, which are clinics at uh, the Sherman Avenue site, the 800 Howard Avenue site, the North Haven. Divine Street clinics, uh, where patients are followed very regularly and closely to make sure that we just didn't give you a diagnosis and set you free, but we said, mm-hmm. okay, well, let's um, optimize all aspects of your cardiac care. Let's get you on the right medications at the right doses mm-hmm. over time. Uh, Yale has problems, has, has problems, <laughs> Yale has problems, but Yale has, has, uh, has uh, programs with our pharmacy, for example, and the mm-hmm. Yale apothecary um, mm-hmm. to 
uh, to help uh, figure out what medications um, are there copay issues. Uh, is there home delivery that we can uh, that we can allow for that allows for the delivery of medication? And our pharmacists have worked with our preventative cardiology group to design uh, treatment strategies where the pharmacist can you know you don't have to see a uh, a doctor every single time you can come to a pharmacist and they can say, well, your blood pressure is mm-hmm. still high. We should increase mm-hmm. that dose, that medication. And mm-hmm. then we've, uh, and then the other thing that, that I think Yale cardiology is doing well right now is, is an emphasis on prevention. So we've hired several faculty mm-hmm. members and devoted resources like nurse, nurse coordinators to help get patients in before they have heart disease to help mm-hmm. prevent uh, heart disease from getting worse. And, uh, Dr. Miller, and I guess just before Dr. Miller, I know you want to respond. I really appreciate. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, Dr. Gallegos, but I, I really appreciate Dr. Miller's mentioning about the the, the the system integration. I think the regular consumer doesn't really understand how the systems have to work together and to coordinate for the for the patient benefit. But uh, Dr. Gallegos would like to share any comments in that regard about programs and coordination. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, several of our our colleagues, for example, Dr. Erica Spatz, um, along with nursing, have started programs, for example, you know, detection of high blood pressure in the community, and they've been coming out and taking blood pressures and, you know, kind of creating uh, or or letting people know, like, okay, well, maybe we need to get you in uh, Mm -hmm. into our programs to start treating or preventing um, risk factors to developing heart disease. Excellent. Let, let's jump jump around. I, and I, I know that the listeners might just bear with us because there's so much information we want to share, but I wanted to kind of go to maybe even uh, possibly signs or symptoms that people uh, should be should be worried about or, or be aware of, uh, particularly if they might be at risk for, for heart disease. So doctors, tell us about it. What are some of the, the, the signs or symptoms that people might, uh, I, I, I don't want to say be worried, just be, to be aware, to be aware and educated and informed. Yeah, I think kind of taking a step back from just like signs or symptoms is just the knowledge of of what risk factors actually Mm. we have, you know, before we develop those signs or symptoms. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we've been talking about high blood pressure is uh, a big one, Um, high weights. Um, you know, sedentarism and diabetes are things that, you know, if we have those risk factors already, probably we need, you know, more frequent checkups, making sure that all our numbers, you know, are good. But once we start developing symptoms, what things should I be worried about? Um, You know, like Dr. Miller said about, you know, how we think about heart disease, you know, if we're thinking about, okay, is this something related to heart blockages? So, you know, chest pain, for example, Mm or being short of breath, going up a flight of stairs when before I could run up the flight of stairs should be, it's not something normal, right? Um, You know, uh, other things like, you know, headaches and blurred vision when we're thinking about stroke, um, swelling of my legs, why are my legs just suddenly getting swollen? You know, those are more um, uh, risk uh, or symptoms of heart failure, you know, feeling like I'm urinating less perhaps, um, and obviously uncontrolled blood pressure, all of those um, could be symptoms uh, of heart disease of, you know, either blockages, mm-hmm. stroke, or um, uncontrolled high blood pressure or, and heart failure. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Miller, did you, did you say it all? I think she got it all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. And, and Dr. Perry and Dr. Clayton, I'm going to come to you guys in a second. So be patient. It really gets even good to see you, to, to see your faces. Uh, absolutely. And, and we, we kind of referenced this earlier, uh, but I wanted to see it about, in terms of the 
particular types of, of heart disease that are that might be more common. Uh, and again, people often ask, ask me on the show, Tom, are you taking too much of a deep dive into the weeds in terms of particularity and specificity? But I'm I'm sorry. That's just we want to just share the detailed, specific information, the, the, the delineated information for folks to be to be aware of. Uh, not not that they want, not that everybody we're trying to convince people to go to medical school, but just to be an informed consumer. So I just wonder, doctors, if there are any particular types of heart disease that are that are more common in the African American population uh, that our listeners and viewers should know about. Yeah. Um... So I think the, by far the most common type of heart disease that, are, that uh, is, is uh, prevalent in African-Americans is hypertensive, what we call hypertensive heart disease. So high, uh, high blood pressure, silent killer, people don't know they have it. You can't feel high blood pressure most of the time. And so people um, uh, develop high blood pressure and or it's, it can develop blood pressure, high blood pressure, even in their thirties and sometimes even in their twenties. And then they don't realize it until 20 years later when uh, now they're starting to deal with the symptoms that Dr. Gallegos was, was talking about, about swelling, shortness of breath. Mm -hmm. and, and at that point, uh, the heart disease has been manifest for um, a long period of time where we could have addressed it. So by far the treatment and, and realization of high blood pressure is, is critically important. Um, coronary artery disease, heart artery blockages, uh, common in African-Americans, but mostly in, in African-Americans that, that tend to smoke as well um, as, a, as a potent risk factor. Mm -hmm. um, those are the types of, of really the, the, the types of heart disease that are the most prevalent in, uh, in, in African-American population. And, and we're going to come to the SCAN MP, MP study program in a second, but I, I wanted Dr. Gallegos to give you a chance to even just, just repeat about the, uh, you talked about prevention, but what can community members do to prevent or detect? detect? I guess this is something that I feel like, a, if not a broken record or a broken CD or a, bro a broken download, but what can we do to, uh, uh, you know, early pre prevention, just proactive activity, just repeat some of those good words you just mentioned earlier. Yeah, Mr. Fickling. So, you know, establishing uh, primary care uh, with a with a you know a clinician is probably the first step. You know, because that way they can get screened for things like high blood pressure. Um, they can you know talk about their weight. Um, if is there the presence of uh, diabetes? If they're smoking, what strategies mm. do they have for smoking prevention? And then you know, once we start tackling those risk factors, and we're able to prevent, and obviously, if we find you know by talking to their clinician, they might find symptoms that they thought they were normal. Mm. Um, and there's like, oh no, well, I'm you know, I'm always tired because I'm just always tired. And then you realize, well, no, you're always tired because you have heart failure because your blood pressure has been uncontrolled for years. So, you know, um, just having someone to talk to that can be thoughtful and comprehensive about, you know, all these risk factors is definitely the first, uh, first step. I, I always tell my patients, you know, like not considering yourself super healthy um, is, is probably the first step because then you say, okay, well, this is the time I need to have someone that can help me take charge of my health and mm. work as a team to be able to um, deal with these risk factors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great, great. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's please, please, Dr. Miller. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to add like a really interesting story that came up please. a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I was uh, in a hospital and we saw this gentleman who was about was in late 40s 
and he came in with a first episode of what we call heart failure, so swelling in his ankles. And what's great now about our, uh, some, some aspects of our healthcare system, right, is that we have all this information that goes back now electronically, you know, back to the early 2000s, so nearly 20 years worth of information. Mm. And you can see in that gentleman's records, um, blood pressure values, you know, that have been consistently high for 20 years. And mm. you can see in, in those records, um, EKGs, you know, cardiograms that showed the progression of his heart disease, subtle changes with every, it was like he got an EKG every couple of years and you saw things just evolving. And it was like, it was a sad demonstration, right, of missed opportunities mm. over mm. the course of 20 years where, where, you know, as a, as a institution, as a healthcare uh, uh, providers, we didn't obviously figure out ways to impact that gentleman's life, right? Mm. And, um, and those are, you know, what were, what drives us, those kind of opportunities to impact people early on, to get buy-in early on, and, and hopefully identify problems that can be solved before they become um, uh, manifest as, as really uh, uh, detrimental to patients. And that, that's a perfect uh, segue in terms of the, you know, the, the research project that both of you and your colleagues are involved with. <clears throat> so tell us about the, the SCAN MP study, because it's, it's proactive. It's, uh, it, it's collaborative. It, it, yeah. It's for everyone's benefit so that that gentleman that you mentioned, those stories become fewer rather than, than increasing. So tell us a little, a little bit about the research project that the team is working on. And, sure, and actually, so. <laughs> obviously, it's, it's going to be direct benefit to the African-American community as well. Yeah. So um, scan and P starts stands for scanning with nuclear imaging in minority populations study. It's part. It's one of the central pillars of the One Heart Initiative, and it's funded by the uh, National Institutes of Health. It's a three site, so it's a multi center study. Uh, Columbia University, um, Harlem Hospital in New York, here at Yale, and at Boston Medical Center in mm-hmm. Boston University in Boston. And the one other aspect is we're talking about heart disease in uh, black patients. Um, There's a specific type of heart failure that's more common in in people of black or Hispanic heritage um, called amyloidosis. And amyloidosis is is a process where the heart muscle gets thick for a very specific, unique region or reason, and that thickened heart muscle causes the heart not to work as well. Mm. So we can um, identify and and diagnose amyloidosis um, through some scan scans of the heart, and we can identify people who have a genetic risk factor for having amyloidosis uh, through some some straightforward uh, testing as well. And if we, and the point of this particular study is to identify patients who have heart disease because of this amyloidosis, Mm -hmm. as well as to identify patients who have heart failure who don't have amyloidosis Mm -hmm. and provide more specific individualized treatment in the long-term for those patients. So that's the general uh, sense, that's a general idea of what the ScanMP study is looking to do. And and Reverend Perry and Reverend Clayton, just before I come to you, uh, I just wondered, uh, Dr. Miller, is, it, is this study being done because you mentioned some of the domestic hospitals? Is it done? Is it being done internationally also? Because my mind goes to the 
you know, black people throughout the throughout the planet uh, and Hispanic people. So I just wonder whether your, your, your reach and scope is international as well. It's just national right now. Um, as, as Reverend Perry was on a conference we had last Tuesday, we have some really interesting collaborators and some opportunities to take these types of studies internationally. Good. Uh, but right now we feel like there's so much work to do here at home um, that, that, uh, yeah, that we're, that it's yeah. beginning with uh, uh, studies here in the U.S. In the US. Sure, clean up, clean up, clean up your house first, right? Just right. Your, uh, uh, the, the the word you you reference the word genetics and nuclear imaging MRI and those those terms unfortunately or fortunately still remain controversial where people just aren't really informed. But what will we learn? Do you think from both both doctors? What will we learn from nuclear imaging and genetics? Do you think with, with regards to this study? Yeah, I think one of the one of the best, uh, the best and uh, most interesting conversations that we've had with the cultural ambassadors has been to understand the perspective of genetic testing in the in the black community, um, and what to go a little bit deeper into the weeds a little bit here and, and humor me as I as I take you through this. So please, <clears throat> so in, within genetics, right within populations of people who share a common ancestry, you can have genes that are passed down from generation to generation. And if those populations are tend to be fairly stable and, you know, in, 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 uh, in terms of their, their makeup, then those, that gene can, you know, travel through the course of generations. Um, the particular gene that has been identified as being a problem for this type of heart disease that we're interested in called amyloidosis, Turns out it comes out of um, uh, what we call a founder mutation or initial genetic problem in people from West Africa. Mm. And so, so you have this gene that's come from people or it's in people who uh, from West Africa through their, in, in their heritage. And so now it's present in about three to 4% of all patients, of all black patients in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we're, so that's a, it's one of the risk factors for this type of heart disease. And that's why we're interested in, in helping to identify that gene, because it tells us, um, what, who might be at a higher risk of developing heart disease, um, as they get older. Indeed. And, and just before I come, go to the ambassadors, I just wonder, Dr. Uh, Gallegos, would you have anything to share in that regard as well? No, um, I think you mentioned about what will nuclear imaging, uh, what we will learn in addition to genetics. Uh, you know, the nuclear imaging by doing this scan, like Dr. Miller had mentioned, will really help us, you know, rule in or rule out whether someone um, uh, has this condition or not. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I will also help us then focus on, okay, what's causing the heart failure on someone. So, you know, if someone has it, then we have a treatment specific for that. And if they don't, then we can focus our efforts in, in, in treating and in finding out what the cause of uh, maybe. Yes, yes, yes. Reverend Perry and Reverend Clayton, good morning, gentlemen. It's good, good to see you, see you again. Good morning. Uh, let, let's, let, me, let me kind of weave you guys in. It's around 1127 and we'll go to 1155. So again, we want to be sure we include all of it really the kind of our thoughts that we had prior to, that we composed prior to the show. But I guess wondered your thoughts, uh, Reverend Clayton and Reverend Perry on how do you think African-Americans will feel about the 
when they hear this word genetic testing, uh, particularly in some people might know about the Henrietta Lacks and the cell situation and uh, and other uh, uh, medical history events that have been somewhat controversial. But but particularly in terms of genetic testing, I just wondered your thoughts, what you what thoughts you might have about uh, how African Americans might feel about genetic testing uh, in, in terms of uh, the, the historical past and hopefully a po more positive future. Reverend Perry, Reverend Clayton, the Lord, we can call on you know, we, we, we could bring in the, you can always call on the Lord. We can uh, always call on T. And Mr. Mr. Perry, Mr. you go you go ahead and I'll follow you on this. Okay, so you know, here is the here is one of our our concerns with genetic testing at Yale, in particular, since we are in this community. And it does have something to do with our understanding of what happens to uh, the uh, genetic testing that takes place with individuals. Are there, is it, is it just for one study or is it passed on for other studies? Are there people being profiting from this and individuals who are not? Um, so that was one of our concerns, you know, mm -hmm. what, what is the, um, integrity of the study when it mm. deals with that. In terms of, of genetic testing, uh, African-Americans have been on, you know, 23andMe and other places because mm. we want to know, mm. we really, really want to know about, you know, this, whether genes have been passed down that may uh, determine health for uh, other members of our family. We want to know more about our culture and our history. Mm. And, and yet we don't really it's ours. So even in 23andMe, we can opt out to say, you know, we don't want you to pass this on. So that's, a, that's an important facet for us. And the other thing that I think is significant here is that, um, you know, to do the, the kind of testing that, um, that they're doing at Yale in terms of genetic testing and the nuclear imaging, the average Black person could not afford that. And so for you know, that, that, is, that is a travesty of, of, of our medical uh, institutions because the people who need it most are the people who, are, who can't afford it. So when, when, with regards to the One Heart Study, we are really uh, uh, interested in, in pursuing this. And this is one of the reasons we wanted to show uh, mm. on, your, on your program, Tom, so that we can get more people with the knowledge of the possibility that there may be this gene, that they may be able to help, but that it's, it's, it's so significant and so important when you look at the number of mortality rates with regards to African-Americans and cardiac uh, uh, failure or heart failure. And, and so, you know, it's just, I, I'm, I'm just glad that we're on the show that we can mm -hmm. talk about it. We could probably mm -hmm. talk about it all day. We all know someone in our families who died of heart disease. We don't know the, the deep-rooted understanding of why they died and 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 what about prevention mm -hmm. but at least we're open the door now with programs like this to, to to help us to understand better and you know here's the other thing i think is interesting is that when you talk about having a primary care physician who can give you information with regards of what your, your basic your basic health needs the average I, I would think that the average young person or, or the average African-American who does not have that kind of health insurance with his job, they only go when they get sick. They go to the mm -hmm. emergency room when they get sick. The doctor doesn't give them this history. 
The doctor only treats them for what they go there for because there are other people waiting. So it's, it's, a, it's a vicious cycle that we have to work through. And uh, so I am glad for this opportunity and the cultural ambassadors to work with, with the One Heart Initiative because I think it's gonna make a, a difference in terms of mortality rates among minority populations and particularly those who are marginalized. Excellent. R Reverend Clayton. Thank you, Tom. Wow. Um, first of all, I thank Dr. Perry for uh, those comments. Mm -hmm. I, I wanna go uh, in a different direction this morning. Sure, sure. Um, the, the history with African-Americans uh, in terms of genetics and the Henrietta Lacks uh, story, it has a dark past. Mm -hmm. But um, Yale University uh, is taking some or every precaution to safeguard people, yeah. uh, to protect their medical information. Um, they do so much to keep the medical records uh, confident uh, because it's the law. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, and when possible, whenever possible, researchers uh, try to connect the information, keep the information from their medical records. They keep the information uh, from um, their caregivers so that it, it's a private matter. It's not like mm -hmm. it was years ago. So, so in the midst of the past, we have a, a great light before yes. us. Yes. And, and, and it's needed, uh, this genetic study is needed because um, how else, it might be, it's the best way, one of the better ways to find out what's going on in our families. Mm -hmm. and, and it might be able or can prevent uh, other family members from getting uh, the diseases that we're talking about, especially Indeed. heart disease. Indeed. So, so with that in mind, and the, the persons must know, our listeners must know that if you're involved in a study, the, the privacy measures are in order, yes. but you also have the right to opt out uh, if you decide that it's not for you. Mm -hmm. Now, the mm -hmm. bigger issue that Dr. Perry talked about, uh, it, the, this, this genetic studies are so expensive, who can afford it? Mm -hmm. So we have to figure out a way to help those that need it the most to be able to get uh, these treatments so that uh, the people in our communities can benefit from them. And, and really so, so insightful. And Tom, let me just, let me just mm -hmm. take you back here one more time. Sure. I think Dr. Reverend Clayton has, has, has hit it on the head on a number of things in terms of like after Henrietta Lacks and after the Tuskegee study, there are protocols in place. Mm -hmm. But again, we still have to be vigilant because yeah. you can you can sign up for a study and not really read the consent form where it says that your information will be used in other studies. And so I think that the one of the things that the cultural ambassadors do is that when when we do have people that we know in these studies, 
we go over this with them so that they can understand yeah. it and they can raise the questions. And that's an important part. Some of these consent forms are so 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 convoluted and and broad based and so many pages in it that you know people skip over and just go right to the bottom and sign and say, I'm gonna study, I'm gonna get this for free. No, we have to be vigilant because even at Yale, there are some genetic studies that are going on that do not that do that do pass on your information and people are not necessarily aware of it. In fact, we turned down being a part of one of those studies. And I'm not going to mention the study, but we did, and so that's that's just the, the that's just the facts. And, and Dr. Miller and Dr. Gallegos, I'm sure you appreciate the the, the candor and and the transparency <laughs> of our two our two our two reverends. Uh, and in, in that regard, I want to mention it at, at the end of the show as well. If folks are listening and they want to participate or more information or how to get involved with the research study, uh, give, give us the, the 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 commercial break, if you will, and we'll repeat it also at the end of the show. But how folks can get involved or find out more information because it's so so critical moving forward. You know, given the challenges, but also given the the potential for for I'll say the potential for healing yeah one of the um to, so this has uh, been such a really great learning experience for me and for our entire team um uh as we've come up with the aims for the one heart initiative together um i want to just uh, touch base on exactly if people are interested in, we've talked about this particular study for a little bit uh, the people that are that are eligible for this study are mm. are either uh, people of Black or uh, Hispanic heritage over the age of 60 who have heart failure. Those patients uh, were doing this study to try to figure out why they have heart failure. Mm -hmm. And that's how, that's what we're trying to, to establish. And so, so that, that's the really the people that are eligible for that particular type of, that particular type of study. And mm -hmm. as, we, as we delve into that study, I'm sorry, the one, the thing that struck me the most is we talked about hypertension and high blood pressure and people having heart failure because of high blood pressure. And, and actually some of the times, you know, we do this, I think as, as physicians, we, we, you know, we, unfortunately we can blame our patients and well, why didn't so-and-so get their, get their meds or why didn't they, they didn't, they were not compliant. Right. And what we're finding out is that this disease that we're studying looks just like high blood pressure the heart looks very similar to somebody's high blood pressure. And we're seeing these patients now in their 60s and 70s saying, oh, you know, you, you just didn't treat your high blood pressure for 40 years. It's your fault. But what we're finding out it's not your fault, right? This is, this, there's this genetic component to it that we didn't understand. And that now we have these, that, that there's a potential treatments for it. And that, that understanding and that ability to, um, to dis, dismiss this, uh, blame aspect uh, of that that sometimes gets put on patients, I think is really powerful. Mm -hmm. Dr. Gallegos? Yeah, no, I'm just kind of um, what Dr. Miller was mentioning about, you know, the, the blame factor of things, you know, even when we think about why, uh, why do African-Americans have higher rates for blood pressure? Actually, some research also shows that there might be a gene that makes African-Americans more sensitive to salt, 
Um, and then, you know, that causes blood pressure, more sensitive to the effects of alcohol as well. And those are things that, you know, um, of course you can prevent or treat, but, you know, it's not a, a person's fault, you know, uh, necessarily. Obviously there's all the risk factors like diet and weight and exercise, but there might be also a genetic component to that. Mm -hmm. I, I need to ask a question. Is there, is this more mm -hmm. prevalent in females versus mm -hmm. males? I mean, that's a hard question because... Mm -hmm. There may be more females in the field and yet and less males because males just don't live that long. It seems <laughs> like African-American males die younger than their, yeah, good point. Uh, their counterparts here. But um, I'm just wondering, in, in, the, in your particular study with regards to this, you know, it just seems like as a people, we, we do suffer from um, hypertension. We do eat the wrong salts. We do eat... We, we eat the pork, we eat the ribs, <laughs> mm -hmm. we eat the salt. So, I mean, but in, in, in your study, do you find that women are more, are more, there's a higher risk with women, with African-American women than men? Uh, you know, actually, uh, that's, a, that's a great question, Reverend Perry. And it gets down to the issue of having the gene doesn't always mean you have the disease. Mm. So, mm. so uh, this gene um, goes to both men and women in the same proportion. So 50, 50, mm. right? It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, it's not a sex linked gene, so to speak. Um, but, the, but the people that get the disease tend to be more men. And so there's, there's influences from outside on the gene, right? Mm. Just having the gene doesn't mean you get the disease, but maybe it's the gene in consequent in combination with some underlying hypertension that works together to make things worse. Mm -hmm. And 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 it, uh, and uh, the and so we don't understand why women tend to be less affected by this by this genetic heart failure problem in in that we're dealing with, but they do. And, and but I do note in like, uh, you know, my clinical experience too, just, you know, seeing the patients in clinic that women do tend to seek medical attention much more mm. than men, mm. um, <laughs> you know, just in general, mm. not specifically for that. So we might, yeah. you know, we might be seeing more of those patients. Mm. We're at 11.41 and we'll go to 11.55, but I wanted to, Dr. Miller and Dr. Gallego share, if you would, if someone, again, wants to participate with like more information, is there a particular number or website or what's the best way to kind of increase the, uh, really gets the, the public awareness in, in our educational level? Right. So uh, we do have a flyer that I'm happy to pass along. Um, and the uh, the phone number, give, let me give, give me a second, look at my files here and I, sure. I will get it, I'll get it to you uh, right away. Great. Um, and, and as we're breaking everyone, if, as, as we uh, kind of conclude for the next 14 or so minutes, any thoughts that are on your mind? Because this is such a rich rich discussion of, uh, about how the, we don't want to replicate the past and make, make the future a, bri a brighter one. Uh, no, I think and, that uh, getting, getting the message out is, is really what um, Dr. Miller and Dr. Gales are asking us to help with just mm -hmm. getting the awareness into the community. And I yes. think that that's, you know, so we, we do have the newsletter and we have your show and then we have our pulpits and we have our, our community contacts. Mm -hmm. So all of those things are important. And I think how many, how many, 
how many people are you looking for to be in the study? Just so there will be 800 people total across all three sites. We're looking to recruit 100 patients or more, as many as we can recruit over the next uh, two years. So that's a, hmm. so um, that's 100 black or Hispanic patients with heart failure in the New Haven community that we're looking to enroll. Those patients will get a standardized and protocolized evaluation for why they could have heart failure. They'll get at least two uh, visits with us. They'll get, you know, free free testing as well as as, um, as reimbursement for their uh, for their time. So. What is that reimbursement, Doctor Miller? I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a free breakfast with you. Two hundred fifty dollars. Two hundred fifty dollars. Okay. And you have the number there, or the, or the best yes, way the number that they can call is uh, 203-785-7191. It's 785-7191. And they can ask, uh, say, I'm interested in this scan MP study with Dr. Miller or Dr. Gallegos. Um, our nurse's name, it, research coordinator, is Cynthia and she'll be the person who'd be able to contact them and get for further information. And absolutely, please share the flyer and we'll be sure to disseminate sure. that as well. Reverend Clayton, I thought you were about to say something. Doctor, can you, can you just go a little bit further on what's involved in the study for the patients and, and how long exactly the time frame? Mm-hmm. Sure, so, right. So if, if you're over 60, and you have, and you're black or Hispanic, and you have symptoms of shortness of breath, or, or even if you've been given the diagnosis of heart failure before, um, if if we take a look at preliminarily, you know, talk about your look at your record a little bit, and make sure that there's nothing uh, that would make you not a candidate, you get a physical exam, some questionnaires, an EKG, so a cardiogram, some lab lab tests an ultrasound of your heart to look at the heart structure and, 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 and function, the nuclear test to look for that, that amyloid disease we were talking about, and then um, uh, the genetic test to see if there was the genetic component of that heart failure as well. Again, those are all um, research studies. We share those results with you and we provide you with a summary of what we think is wrong in terms of the types of type of heart failure you might have. Uh, and, and as well, there is uh, the, that compensation aspect of, of a $250 gift card. So, so how many visits will this take? Uh, two to three visits, depending on, you know, whether or not somebody comes in directly for um, the pre-visit or, or not. Um, mm-hmm. One of those visits uh, involves the testing and one of those visits involves the uh, going over the results of the testing. And that, that's so that's so helpful because you know, folks just folks just want to know the uh, in in my life it, you always encounter folks that say well, I'll volunteer for this or volunteer for that and then they find out that they that there's there's some steps involved that they weren't aware of so I really appreciate your question, Doc Re- Reverend Clayton. Um, we, again, we have ten minutes. Just well, what comes to people's minds as we discuss things for the last forty minutes? I mean, you talk about the, the impact that the past moving here with the future. I really appreciate. Uh, the, the importance of this research study, but I just wonder whether there are any top of the mind thoughts that are on folks' minds as we kind of conclude for the next next 10 minutes. 
Well, I would like to know about the, um, so if, if, um, if one of the persons in the study fit the profile for the study, are there, are there medications that, that you would, uh, they would be prescribed for them? Yeah, yeah, there are. So depending on, um, so we've talked about this, the uh, Reverend Perry and Reverend Clayton and, and Dr. Gagos and myself have talked a lot about the idea of when we, when we figure out what, what type of heart disease a patient might have, that's not enough, right? We have to provide access to treatment. Right. Now, this particular study is not a treatment trial, meaning we're not saying we're not testing treatment A versus treatment B. Right. We're not giving somebody free medication. But what we are doing is is providing knowledge about the type of heart disease one might have, as well as then access points. And we all know that, you know, as good as um, as our health system can be, it fails miserably at times in providing people with access. I know I, I have, yeah, I've, we've all tried to, you know, schedule something, right? And, and seeing how going through the phone trees and getting the right person and getting an appointment can be really challenging, right? So, so providing that access point, the, the integration into, um, into the cardiovascular disease health system, I think is a big benefit. Mm. And then the targeted therapies are commercially available. Um, so there are targeted therapies for hypertension, for example, there's targeted therapies for heart failure in general. And then in this particular disease we're looking for amyloid, there are specific therapies that are covered by insurance or uh, and, and there are also non-insurance-based programs to help people get access to these medications. But would, the, would they be given, referred to a, a cardiologist or would your team be the, yes. doing the study, your team would be the ones who would... Uh... You're, you're looking at the yeah. cardiologist. <laughs> Dr. Gagos and myself will see all those patients uh, ourselves and and uh, and provide that uh, type of infrastructure. And then obviously, you know, uh, we have uh, numerous colleagues here at Yale that uh, are um, have expertise in heart failure or in prevention or combination thereof that will, that were uh, along with the resources that I talked about with with pharmacy and. And uh, and other uh, uh, advanced practice providers that can uh, provide access and, and longitudinal care for these patients. Dr. Miller, if the person was in Bridgeport or Brantford, mm -hmm. would they be eligible? Absolutely, no geographic okay. restrictions. Other than they have to travel. The the study is performed here at the York Street campus, so the the imaging study because we have to have everything you know the same for everybody. Uh, we we do the imaging studies up here. Uh, we work with the uh, Yale Center for Clinical Investigation, their clinical research unit um, on, on College Street. And, uh, and then we have them seen here at the, at the main hospital. Great, thank you. It, it, it occurs to me, Reverend Perry's uh, comment about who would the, the, the participants be working with uh, is, is so key because <laughs> just, just to see your faces, the, the, the familiarity, we hear this term relationships, 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 but just to know the people, to just to be, to, to know that, the, that there are other human beings, they're not, you're not just a, it, hidden in some academic tower, that you're really, really transparent and available. That, that's, I really appreciate that question, Reverend Perry. Um, and just also to remind, you know, the participants that it's not like we'll forget about them after the study is done, right? And so that mm -hmm. they know they're uh, with us receiving care um, longitudinally. 
because I think uh, those are also worries is like, okay, well, they only uh, saw me for two years and then, mm -hmm. you know, they forgot about us. No, that's mm -hmm. not, you know, the, the point of, of, of the study rule. They'll continue to see us. And, and both as we conclude, give me about four minutes, but Dr. Miller and Dr. Gallegos and then ambassadors, please chime in. But just as you were talking, Dr. Gallegos, about re research, it's, it's done for a reason. It's, it's done, I mean, people forget penicillin uh, vaccines. We forget that these things did not just come out of, a, come out of the blue. So just, just talk about the impact of research and your optimism about why you're involved with this study and also just your commitment to the medical profession. I think folks need to realize this is a, this is a global kind of consensus that we have to build about taking, taking ownership of your health in, in every respect. So I want to give you a chance to be a you know a medical philosopher for a few seconds and and then we'll... Dr. Miller. I must look like the philosopher type. I don't know. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, you're exactly right, uh, Spicklin. It's 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 a it's a long journey, right? When we talk about well, I started working on this uh, particular issue about 12 years ago. Um, it, we our first therapeutic for this um, particular condition. Um, came out in 2019. Um, so we're only really three years into our ability to treat amyloid, cardiac amyloid in a specific way. Um, and we know that in the next 10 years, there's gonna be dramatic changes in our ability to, um, to uh, help our patients, both being able to diagnose them better and to treat them better. And so, so you look at this as a as a long continuum. There's um, there's going to be um, bumps along the road. You got to go into it with a long term view, and you have to realize that you just got to go into it. I think you got to go into it with the idea that you're you're trying to do the best you can for as many people as you can. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and that you got to hopefully you assume that um, that everybody's going to have good intentions. And try to do their best for the the, the patients and the, the people that volunteer for these studies are the real um, yeah. are the real heroes, right? Yeah. They 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 may or may not get something out of it, but they're spending. We have patients that you know spend uh, uh, time with us and out of their take time out of their day to come here mm -hmm. and, and help out. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really what uh, what is really gratifying to to be able to help them somehow, but see them also be, give back when sometimes it doesn't help them individually. Indeed. Dr. Now, let me just let me say this. Oh, I, and looking at both of you doctors, I kept saying, which one of you would I want to go to? Because <laughs> 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 both of you are so good, you yes. know? And, yes. and I'm glad that it's not two men or just two women because it it kind of like, it's it's really a perfect match. It's a blend. Um, a blend. But yeah, I, I, I feel comfortable with, uh, uh, with either of you. Uh, so that's a great, you know, tribute to both of you. You're, you're just so warm. Um, and um, your passion for what you do, I think, <laughs> will uh, look at Irvin Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> it comes through. Uh, we have about 90 seconds talking to Galakos. I want to possibly give you the last word and then have Dr. Clayton. If yeah, it, just to uh, add to what Dr. Perry mentioned, uh, back in the day, both Dr. Miller and I saw patients together, you know, when I was his mentee. So there was a time where we were both together in the room. Um, 
<laughs> so, you know, we, we want our, our patients and our community to know that we are driven by data and by research, not just, mm-hmm. you know, we make up treatments and that's what we're offering. Um, you know, my husband and I were both from minority uh, groups as well. And we, you know, just to kind of give an example, we both volunteer for the COVID vaccine trials. You know, after reviewing the data that was available, we thought that that it was robust and it was safe. And then we had the opportunity to participate in that, you know, that obviously has had a huge worldwide impact. And so, you know, that's our commitment to uh, respecting your data, respecting, you you know, um, your information and also, you know, finding a treatment and, and making sure that our communities are healthy. You know, at Yale, we're commun- in, in, in our group, we're com- committed to um, thoughtful consideration of all the historical and social cultural and individual factors, you know, that, that affect a patient's health. And Indeed. we want the patients to know um, that, you know, we don't see you just as a research uh, subject, but rather as a whole. Indeed. We have about 30 seconds. Dr. Miller, give us the number again, if you would. 203-785-7191, scan MP, Black or Hispanic patients over the age of 60 with heart failure. Perfect. And Harry will play the music, so that'll be, he'll be, we'll be kicking us off. But Reverend Clayton, do you want to, any, any final yes. comments? With all the data that we have, we still need what I call triple E. And that E doesn't stand for Elvin. It's education, <laughs> education, education. Hmm. To get this message out. Need a go. All right. Amen. Amen to that. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Cultural Ambassadors, Dr. Miller, Dr. Gallegos. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we'll continue to beat the drum and, and share the mission and share the passion. As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen I'm never quitting on my mission, I'ma roll with what I'm giving Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions Looking at devoiding myself and feeling what's missing Better watch the way you're going, better go in the right direction In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings And I know that for certain, keep on working, open curtains Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version I'm never gon' give up, give up Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, yeah Cause this is my Camera action already